this episode, we're following the journey of a first home buyer or a couple of first home buyers who have conquered the mountain. We're going to hear about the lessons they've learned, whether their assumptions were right or wrong, the mistakes they made and those that they avoided and ultimately how they sealed the deal. Welcome to your first home buyer guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Okay. So exciting. It is exciting. Mike and Rhiannon are Home Buyer Academy graduates, and we're so excited to be sharing their story today, especially since they are self-confessed property bears who ended up buying in a boom market. (laughs) Who'd have thought that was possible? Yep. It's happened. (laughs) It's fabulous. You are so good. Poster children. (laughs) So we're so excited to be catching up with you both today and we really thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. Well, let's start at the beginning, hey? Where where were you up to when you first met us or when you first um, joined joined, uh, Home Bar Academy? Where were you up to in your search? It was a bit of a mess, to be honest. Um, we were probably, um, I don't know, Mike, you could probably talk about that first feeling, but we had decided we wanted to buy a lovely uh, Californian bungalow um, and we had found a location that we were going to buy it in, in our particular area. Um, and we realised that that was well and truly out of our price range. So we were lost. We had something in mind. We thought we could get it and um, it wasn't happening. And then we hit that phase that we were opening our search and everything was on the cards and we didn't quite know what to do next. What about you, Mike? <laughs> yeah, look, I think um, I think we were sort of in the position where I think Rhiannon's right in the sense that we were a bit lost really because there's so much information out there and myself as a self-confessed um, property bear, you know, I sort of have been sitting on the sidelines for some time talking about how is this sustainable and, you know, how the prices keep going up doesn't make sense. And the issue for us, I think, was that the, the issue around trying to save the deposit whilst prices, you know, continue to rise. And so we sort of felt like, where do we start? Um, and we had, we had a plan. We always had a plan, um, you know, to get there. But I think we needed a bit more 
guidance in how to get to that end goal. And I think that's where you guys really helped us out. But we had a plan to buy a house. That was kind of the, the only plan we really had when we look back. And we had two young kids and all the things we thought we could live in before, we could no longer live mm. in now. That was, we're very stuck. Did you start looking for the California bungalow before you had kids? We cut, no, no, we would have been happy in a townhouse. Like we would have, we would have probably bought a unit or a townhouse mm. in the location we wanted to. Even that's good. So, I mean, so, already so there's... Different life, different life oh, phase and, and you realise that there was some different needs there for you. Absolutely. We forever pre-kids. Like we wanted to just be near cafes and nightlife and we were prepared. We always were looking at investment properties too. Like we're like, we'll just get an investment in another location because we can always be near the city um, if we rent. But the first... Do you remember the first rental inspection after we had kids? And we're like... There is no way we're ever doing this again. Our kids wreck the house. Like it's Pretty just much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just got to the stage where we just thought this is just this isn't gonna fly long term. We've got to come up with a solution here. We outgrew schools um, as well with our two kids. <laughs> you outgrew what, sorry? We outgrew two rental properties with two kids. So like <laughs> even that signed to us that we had to think bigger picture. And and what what you what you bought is obviously not what you originally thought that you would buy. Um, but how did you get to the point of knowing that that was the right one? What, what, what sort of changed for you along the way from from going from unit or townhouse in a in a lifestyle location to family friendly home in, in and you you bought down sort of in Victoria um, is where you've purchased. What changed for you along the way in the in the journey? Uh, well, I think for us it was uh, probably a matter of being more realistic. Um, I know that when we sort of first started out, you know, we, you know, as Rhiannon said, we, we wanted this California bungalow or, uh, or some kind of, you know, really nice weatherboard home with lots of character and in a, in a sort of older established suburb. And, and we realised that probably very early on that the prices of those locations were going up exponentially and we just couldn't afford it. And I think um, being comfortable with and coming up with, I guess, a strategy for how you can then, if that's your dream house in inverted commas, you know, what's something you're going to be happy with and comfortable with that isn't that? Uh, and trying to figure out how you reach that point. I think that's sort of what changed along the way. Uh, you guys gave us some really good tools to, um, you know, work through how to, you know, um, you know, what are the non-negotiables uh, and all of that sort of stuff. And I think uh, by doing that, we, we came up with, um, with where we've bought as a result. But we were naturally cynical. We thought that you guys can afford to yes, buy these were. amazing uh, properties with, um, you know, uh, where there is uh, low, uh, high demand, low supply. And we felt we were different to that because we didn't have, we hadn't been in the property, before, like in the property market before. However, it was really interesting when we did the exercise. We, we got closer and closer as we went along. We kept going back to those non-negotiables, we kept pricing property. And we sort of realised that, like, even, you know, people who can buy $3 million properties have to compromise somewhere. So <laughs> we just realised, oh, okay, it's just about us looking at our situation and knowing that um, the house had to grow with us or look like or be an opportunity for us. And that um, I love a good Excel spreadsheet, so I must admit that that won me over, ladies. <laughs> Doing that and really going back regularly helped us to stay on track and focused and yeah, it was a, and we went from California bungalow to 
to looking at buying a house and land package in an estate to back to making a more reasonable decision, which we, we're really happy with our decision, which is good. Mm. I remember one of our mentoring sessions, you were you talked about scarcity and that the light bulb had gone on for you, gone up, you know, really gone up on for you guys about um where you were looking to buy versus ultimately where you did buy. Can you do you remember that conversation? Very vividly. <laughs> um, and I remember, yeah, you know, you uh, um quite rightly, I guess, we're trying to turn us away from the house and land package on that basis that, you know, it's not scarce, there's land around you, you're not, it doesn't have those fundamentals that you really need for a sound investment. And at the time, I sort of thought, oh, yeah, but, you know, well, what else can you do when you can't afford anything else? And, um, and I think, though, it, it was a light bulb moment because for the first time I started to think outside the box on that and, and with our property that we ended up getting, I think what makes it so good is its scarcity, and it's uh, particularly in relation to, to its location um, and where it is and what's around it. Um, I think is yeah, I, I, that was a really good piece of advice. I, I just have one of those proud mother moments. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the funniest thing was we actually, it was it's hilarious to look back now. I remember saying to Mike, like, well, even if we buy an estate, we just won't tell Veronica and Megan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the light bulb. You can't hide. <laughs> if you're going to lie to buyers agents about where you're buying, you mustn't think that where you're buying is very good. So, so we kind of, we sort of looked back and we were trying to find, like, it's like what human behaviour is. Like you try and find all the information that supports the easiest yes. way to so we were looking mm-hmm. for like oh great what's something that can break down that that theory that they have about estates and we're like oh well this estate it's only 10 minutes from the beach and then this but then when we looked at it there's eight kilometers between that estate and heaps of paddock to the beach so like and we looked just across in the other part of the estate and all the older properties are going for like you know eighty thousand dollars less than the new properties so just basically looking at it was showing us that it wasn't going to be a good opportunity for us. And there was no potential to grow with our family. And that was a huge, and we weren't even making a lifestyle decision. Like it just, once we started really unpacking, we're like, where's the investment? Where's the lifestyle? This isn't going to work for us anyway. So. Where's the potential? You know, like <laughs> that's the thing that sort of got me was, you know, all these houses, they kind of look the same. They're on very small blocks. You've barely got a backyard. And it's sort of what potential does it have? And that's ultimately what, what I think turned me off the most. And look, you know, the, the big caveat in all this, of course, is like our borrowing capacity was very high. I mean, the bank was happy to loan us bloody, you know, heaps of money, but we weren't prepared to take on an astronomical mortgage. And I think that's the other thing. It's it's about coming up with a decision around what you're comfortable to spend. And I think that's what um, that's what this journey has helped us out in doing as well, because, you know, you can easily, anyone could just hock themselves up to the eyeballs in mm. debt. Um and is that a smart idea or not? And I would say it's not. And um, yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was that was useful. And also, I thought that versus our borrowing capacity was quite different. So that was that was a challenge on always being beaten by the next properties were going up, and our deposit was going down in relation to that. So getting that balance right was hard. Mm. That's great. So, so who were your advisors? You know, in, in in the first module of the course, we talk about building your support crew. So, who who did you gather in, and and what did you learn about their role in the process that you went through? 
Uh, I'm happy to jump in here, Rhiannon. Um, we uh, ended up going with Property Planning Australia for our mortgage broking, and I just wanted to say big shout out to, to Richard White and um, and Aya Sabidi. They were fantastic. They really were um, first class, professional, available. Happy to talk because you know, being a first home buyer, you ask about sixty two million questions, and <laughs> and and Richard was patient enough to sit through every single one of them and uh, made himself available. Um, it was just fantastic. And, and the great thing about um, his services as well is um, they provide that strategic mortgage broking service, which was something that we knew nothing about. Um, so I don't know, Rhiannon, if you wanted to talk a bit about that stuff, maybe. Or- yeah, like I, I remember we, COVID was good for people for a lot of reasons you could say, but also we kind of sat down and we're like, oh, what's the worst that can happen? We'll just engage with the mortgage broker now. And we didn't think we were ready anyway, but I'm so glad we did it because he sat down and he um, he just listened to us for about 50 minutes going on about all our concerns and what we wanted and what we didn't want. And he it was like going to a therapist. <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> right. That's the kind. Um, you can imagine Mike was talking about his cynical housing stuff. And I was, I was talking- yeah. <laughs> Ranting and raving I was. Um, all unfair, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Waging a one-man war. That's right. Yep. Now you're, now you're a property owner. You just want prices to go up now, now don't you? We're yes. <laughs> all about others, Veronica. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares about everyone else? Yeah. Um, it, it's actually we we interviewed David Johnson from Property Planning Australia on episode nine. So if anybody wants to sort of understand more about this idea of strategic borrowing, um, then go back to that episode and have a have a listen. Um, and I actually had forgotten that we sort of pass the details on to you guys. So yeah, you I'm, did. No, thank you for that. It was it was awesome. Yeah, and that's yeah. great. And also a point that you made there about you got them involved, but you're saying because of COVID, but earlier than you thought you were ready, than, than when you thought you were ready. And that's something that we really encourage is because people often, they, they you know, they go and save all the deposit, um, but they haven't actually had any advice or guidance through the way and it's you do need it early on. And if you've got a mortgage broker that won't help you before you're ready, then, you know, there's a good reason to ditch them, I think. Yeah. Well, got- how- sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, darling. We've got to feel safe to ask questions. Like one thing we didn't know is we, were, we thought we were across our own mathematics about 5% and 10% and what have you. But actually, like we knew stamp duty got tacked on later, but LMI is a really interesting one that you kind of don't understand until you start the process where... Mm. It was sort of our LVR, like we were like, oh, 95% you get. But actually, they tack on the LMI, but then they work out what they're going to lend you with that LMI on top of it. So you effectively have to pay the LMI upfront, really, if you're borrowing, if you're only providing such a small deposit. So it was that equity element. We didn't really understand that. And so when we sat down with him, we actually realised we were kind of a bit further off than we might have thought. So we knew how we could change our situation with work and what have you to make it happen earlier. So, um, yeah, and he really explained the nuance with that and offset accounts and all that stuff um, that we just wouldn't have known other than that. Yeah, that was a really good point. I think the the deposit thing was really interesting and I don't know that many first-home buyers sort of stop to think about this. We all know you need a lot of money up front, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But it's considerably more than than you think. Uh, because of all the hidden costs. I mean, you've got your LMI, you've got stamp duty, you've got all of that stuff, and uh, it eats into it massively. And, um, yeah, so that's what's really good about engaging with a broker early because, I mean, how early on were we doing it? Um, eight or nine months before we 
board, maybe even earlier than that. And he was in a position to say, you need at least X amount of money. Um, and so you could then sort of plan ahead to get there. Uh, and I thought that was really useful because otherwise you're just kind of taking a stab in the dark. You think you hit, you know, let's say you're buying a $600,000 house, for example. Well, 5% of that's 30 grand. So you hit 30 grand, you think, great, it's all sorted. <laughs> Until you realise that, you know, there's all those other costs and you've really and got to factor that in. And your legals and your yeah. building and pest inspections. Yep. And, and we, do, uh, we, yep. we do actually have a spreadsheet for, for purchasing costs that, um, mm-hmm. that people can access as well. So they're, they're really good points because um, it's important not to just focus on the percentage of the purchase mm. price to save, you, you must make sure that you've got enough money. Or you can you can end up in a little bit of a pickle if you haven't got that because some of those those expenses happen before the loan is released to you before you settle the property. So really mm. important to know when they're going to be due and that you have access to the money to actually pay them. Now you mentioned earlier that so much information, and and I love that when you talked about your journey before before we got to know you, that you'd sort of started even sort of thinking, I just want to buy an apartment because you know we don't have kids yet, we're having a great life, and and then it was like rent vesting. I know we just buy an investment, and then it was like California bungalow. Oh yeah, starry eyed about you know what you want to own, and then the reality check of oh come to Jesus moment, you know I can't afford that, and then I don't know we'll go the easy route. Let's just buy something that's easy. Um, right, sweet. <laughs> what was that? We sound psychotic when you say that. Like, I mean, <laughs> that is such a regular journey for people to go through. Believe exactly. me, <laughs> it's we we call it ping ponging all over the place. It's really common, and it's not just first yeah. home buyers that do this. You know, this mm. is this is in our businesses. Megan and I would would deal with with couples that are upgrading and do the same thing you know the, yep. the, all the different and then the classic regardless that, of their budget exactly and like you say about the three million dollars is absolutely spot on right what i love is when they 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 seem to extinguish all other options and then the next thing they go i know i'll buy something and i'll knock it down and rebuild as if that's the easy out you know, the easy yeah. way you know? yep. <laughs> it just typifies how hard the whole thing really is mm. but it's through all of that um you know, did you ever suffer from information overload? I, I think there's a lot of information, but not a lot of practical information. So our issue was we had information overload with stuff that was kind of irrelevant to buying a house. Like, like we were like macroeconomics. Like why were we even like we were sitting there <laughs> looking, reading newspapers about what's happening in the economy and like, you know, all this stuff that actually, like, fundamentally buying a house, sure, it's nice to have a little bit of knowledge about that, mm. but that wasn't going to help us buy a house. And so there's so much of that, but actually practical information about, like, this is what a conveyancer does. This is when you should call a conveyancer. What does, how weird is that process going to be when you do it? There was nothing like that out there for us. So, um, yes, there was heaps of information, but valuable information was quite hard to find. Did you find that, Mike? Like- oh, 100%. Yeah, look, I think for me it was the, um, you know, the same, seemingly every day in the, in the papers you'd be reading an article and the one article is, oh, you know, the, the housing crash that's going to happen. And I'm like, yes, you know, and then the next, <laughs> and then the next article is... Um, is one oh, of the only housing- people in Australia to rejoice well, at that news. Yeah, I think, well, I think most first home buyers sort of, fit into that sort of disgruntled category where we all just think oh, it's all unfair and mm. we sort of throw our hands up in the air and it's all too hard and and all of that sort of thing. And, and I certainly put my hand up in that category. Um, 
well, at least initially. But what the point I was trying to make is that you, you end up in a situation where you're reading one article, which is, you know, housing crash here. The next one's housing boom. Prices mm. are going up by 25% this year or whatever. And, and so you end up getting into these, you know, economic sort of discussions and financial stability discussions and all of this sort of thing, which isn't really conducive to just figuring out, hey, listen, can we afford a house? Should we buy a house? And if so, when? And how can we make that happen? Um so, yeah, I sort of, uh, I spent a lot of my time, you know, in that, you know, housing bear camp, you know, um, ranting and raving about the fairness thing rather than focusing on the practicalities. And it was so <laughs> nice for us to not waste our weekends. Like we started like, so I think it was the non-negotiable system. I can't actually remember, ladies, but it was the, there was like a 10 things we wrote down about what we wanted in a property. And it was like there was a few that were quite different with us to begin with, but when we started going to houses and talking about our family, like we kind of had a framework to start doing it and that was so great. Like we, we started going to houses with our kids. Oh, my goodness. Like when we had no plan, we would walk in. At one time we had, there was um, post-COVID too, there was a lineup at the front of one of the houses and there was probably about 60 people there mm. and our little boy doesn't walk anywhere and he went straight, like ran at full speed to this glass window oh, at the front no. of the and Oh, man, it was bad. I was oh. break and everyone in the line was like gasping. And I just thought, we can't do this anymore. But equally, we can't have FOMO and just buy something because we don't want to do this anymore. So it was great <laughs> having that structure because we could actually go, all right, we're only going to this property this weekend. This is why we're not missing out on the other properties because they don't meet our criteria so it felt a lot more yeah. tight a lot more easy to do and we didn't feel like we we're going to fall into the trap of FOMO because we just wanted to get something immediately to get it done mm. um, yeah. Yeah, a bit more discerning with your time when you had the framework to work with yeah then well, that's did, it. It, sorry I was gonna say how, how did you know when you found the one yeah oh I knew as soon as I saw him Megan <laughs> yeah. um, so many people uh, say that yeah, it's, I don't know, we walked in and um, we already had done the fundamentals, so we knew when we were going to the property it ticked the boxes. Yeah. Um, but mm. And it's, it was easy to walk through and go, yep, yep, yep. And I must admit, we knew we'd have an emotional response because we weren't buying in an estate anymore, like mm. that whole thing had gone. We kind of wanted that feeling of lifestyle, but we literally, I remember being out in the backyard and seeing the kids play a bit and there was this beautiful shape of tree that they were under and it was very romantic. Like it was Aww. like, <laughs> um, and we kind of, and we met the neighbours, like we did our due diligence, we chatted to some people and I think after meeting that last neighbour, Pat, who is, you know, oh, this is just great and we love it here and I go, I go down and have a, um, so we're quite by the water, it's sort of an older fishing village and he's like, you know, I go and have a tea sometimes down by the beach on a Friday night and it's just our vibe. It's our people. So it, it felt really, really great. Like it just all clicked. I don't know mm -hmm. about you, Mike, because that's not you. Yeah, no, I think it's pretty much the same. I think it sort of met those fundamentals that um, we talked about uh, earlier where early on in the piece um, through the course, uh, you know, we, we filled out that that spreadsheet about, you know, what are the non-negotiables and all of those sorts of things and, and, and it pretty much ticked every box for us. And then for me, it was the, the location aspect and the scarcity. Mm. So it came down to that scarcity factor where I went, this place where it is doesn't come up very often. And I think that in and of itself is a good purchase. Um, plus it met all those other fundamentals, as I said. So, 
Yeah, so for me it was like this, let's do it. Let's and we didn't want anyone else to have it. Like we were prepared to let it go if it went for too high, but we really wanted it to be ours, which we never thought we'd feel like that with a house. We thought we'd drag our feet for it. But, um, yeah, it felt really right. Have to talk really yourself right. into it. Yeah. And, and was yeah. it an auction or was it just by private, like did you make an offer, did it have an asking price? What, what, what was the process uh, for you? Yeah, it was private sale. Um, they had an asking price. Um, but naturally, of course, in this current environment as you said at the start it's a it's a seller's market um and so we had to be prepared to sort of nudge that up a bit um and that's where that price researching really came in handy um and and all of the tips and tricks you gave us for that was was great and one thing quite funny about our journey is we had like we thought it was going to take us ages to find the house we wanted but we actually got pre-approval on the Friday and bought our house on the Monday, which sounds oh. crazy, right? Like that's No, it's not do. crazy. No, you've but, done a lot of work leading done, up to that. Yeah. That's it, yeah. Confident and ready and we knew what questions. To, I felt like I was a bit, I felt like you, Veronica, when I was sitting asking questions <laughs> at the real estate. We felt like we knew how to ask stuff. Like, you know, we asked them whether, you know, was the vendor after any particular settlement conditions, like, we just felt like we had good questions to ask, so we weren't effectively just asking what price do they really want. Mm. And then he gave us a lot more information through that because he knew we were keen. We didn't mess about. We just said we'd really like the Section 32. We want to send it to our conveyancer. And we asked those questions about the vendor, like what's their situation, what do you think they would like in, the, in conditions of this. And, um, and then he, very, he said we're going for best offer, which scared us a lot because we were kind of like, oh, like, how do we do best offer? Mm. But um, we also kind of knew he sort of said best offer, but then he goes, oh, and this is the other thing you'd already warned us about that he said best offer, but he said, oh, there's people have put offers in, but we're going to give them another round. And it was like, oh, gosh. So, so yeah. we just had to go back to pricing of what mm. did we think it was worth and what did we have to nudge it up a little bit to secure it without going crazy. And, and that was... That's, yeah. yeah, sorry, but I was just going to say that's exactly the point was that we... Um, was we, we nudged it up just that little bit and, and we were prepared to walk away from that. It was, all right, that's the most we are comfortable to pay, that's it. If they come back and say, oh, look, can you throw a couple of extra grand in or if there's room for negotiation, we were prepared to just walk. And I think that's a, a smart way to be. It's, you, as much as it is, a, in a lot of ways, an emotional purchase, you've got to also have that that sort of rational lens to say, look, you know, I'm not prepared to pay more than what I think it's worth. That's the point where the head has to take over. Yeah. Yeah. And my mum had priced the property for us. So she (laughs) went, it was funny. She came on the Monday. Um, So another thing we knew was the environment for, uh, like they were quite comfortable with us coming back on the Monday, which was interesting. So we kind of knew there was, there was interest, but we were like, oh, well, if they, there was so, so much interest why would they be opening the property for us again? Like that mm. was kind of in the back of our head. But my mum went with Mike um, and it was so funny. They gave us their price and they said, you're going to have to go up to this. And it was like $40,000 over what we would have offered. Um, and so I think it goes back to your advisors. Like, but, you know, they weren't pricing property in that area much. They were very much going by feel. Um, and we could have, if we hadn't have done the research, done what my parents did and just gone great through heaps of money at it. And you'll get it, but we didn't even need to do that. So um, it was good we had the research behind us. Mm. Good on you for sticking to your guns there. 
Such a good point, though, because the thing is that, like, you did factor in a premium, you did your research, you also factored in a premium because you wanted to get it and you recognised it was a good property and it was right for you, et cetera, et cetera. So you'd already done that. But then people can get carried away because they love it so much. They think everyone loves it just as much as them. And sometimes they might be right, but other times, you know, I, I know it with our clients and you must too, Megan, you know that if they were left to their own devices, they would pay more <laughs> than they need to. So... So you've used that process and you've kept yourselves under control. But, you know, and I think having your walkaway price before you start negotiation, we often talk about that, is so important. Mm. But it can't be what you hope to buy it for. It has to be what you will if you really, really have to. You yeah, know, if and the that's agent where- came back and said it sold for, you know, your price plus a little bit, you, you just hands up, yep, I'm comfortable yep. with that. Yeah. 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 So um, how long do you plan to live in this house? Forever. <laughs> so we really, I've moved something like, like I'm, you know, 38 now. So I've been renting since I was 18. So we really, I must admit, we looked at this as a, we need this house to grow with us. We'd love to stay there for a really, really long time, but at least 10 years. Yeah. And you're going to do anything to it? Like what are your plans to do? You, you wanted to add value. I've sort of got the feeling that you might do some work on it. What, you know, what's in, what's in your heads? Well, look, based on its location, I think there's potential to go up a, up a level um, at some point. And, um, and and me being not only a muso, but um, I work from home a fair bit. I, I, I really want a studio in the backyard where I can sort of separate the home and work thing. Um, so I think we might do that at some point. But, uh, yeah, lots of options. And we checked with council and things like that beforehand too to make sure because we wanted this property to grow with us, to check what permissions we'd need and has there been previous planning done on the house? Because, you know, effectively if it couldn't have gone up a level, like you're missing out of these beautiful views, um, it probably wouldn't have been a great purchase for us. So um, we definitely did our due diligence with that to make sure and seeing how many two-storeys were behind us, whose view would we block um, was quite important for us as well. So we asked our building inspector to, when he was up on the roof just to have a bit of a look around and he did that for us as well, which was great. Oh, very good due diligence. <laughs> it's such an important point, though, because people do buy properties thinking, oh, well, I'll do that down the track, but they don't actually then go, you know, they don't actually check check out whether that's feasible or not. Yeah. And, uh, and then you get stuck. Uh, so that's, that's you know, that's, oh, God, you're such good students. You have to give you gold stars, <laughs> won't we? <laughs> well, we had good teachers, Veronica, didn't we? So, um... <laughs> and we didn't even pay you to say that. Now, <laughs> is, there, is there one piece of advice that you would give to your first home buyers who are still climbing that very long mountain? I'll let you take this on first, Mike. Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, Look, I think, first of all, um, you've got to make a plan and you've got to set yourself a bit of a goal. I think that's the only way you can sort of get there. I mean, I know for us, for example, we sort of very early on in the piece, and this was before we came to you guys, um, was we thought about how can we save our deposit because the biggest issue and i think for most first home buyers it's the deposit hurdle it's the big issue um, because you just need such a huge amount of money up front whilst you're still paying rent and everything else so we tried to figure out the best way of getting there and for us it was um you know we got rid of all of our debts we downsized to a smaller house uh, to save on rent um 
we went with cheaper energy providers and internet providers and all of that sort of thing and curbed our spending and, you know, really stuck to our budget and we got there. So, I mean, it was a three, two and a half, three year process, but, mm. but we got there because we planned ahead. So I think it's really important to set yourself a goal um, and, and work towards that. And the other thing is being realistic. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to ha- live in a house overlooking the, the surf coast somewhere, but the, the reality is I, I can't afford that. So you have to be realistic and you have to think about, all right, well, if I'm priced out of this suburb, where can I go to next and what are you comfortable with and, and what are your non-negotiables there and all of that sort of thing. So that's my my two cents worth. What do you think, Matt? Um, I reckon the pricing properties. So we priced property. Sorry, I'm doing quotation marks <laughs> if this is not on a film for anyone. But um, <laughs> but we did it really. Like we were like just looking at the sold tab and just going, oh, yeah, everything's, everything's around this price in this area. But we weren't using any kind of logic with it. So when mm. we started looking after we started doing your course, when we went to places, we were almost as nerdy as like, trying to like with a piece of paper after we got out of there, we'd write down the basics. Like it was like, you know, three bedroom garage, this, 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 because what we were finding is we weren't able to pick out the subtleties of why something went mm. for 700 versus mm. 680. But when we started doing that, we got so much better at pricing property. And, you know, it's, if you want a good house, it's your own responsibility to do this stuff. So, <laughs> oh, yes. Well, <laughs> yeah. and like, as soon as we put in the time, like, diligently we started to see that like we we wouldn't have put in an offer for our house because we would have thought it was too soon because we just got pre-approval mm. but because we felt re- like we'd done our due diligence we felt confident and comfortable and we we don't have that kind of feeling we sort of everyone has that initial feeling of like if we got the house, like, did no one else want it? Like, why were we the first, you know, why did we pay the amount that got it? A little it? bit of buyer's remorse initially. Totally. Oh, instantaneously, yeah. Yeah. As soon as that <laughs> offer went in. As soon uh, as that offer went in, it was just like, oh, what are we doing? Oh, my God. You know, we offered too much. Maybe it was too little. Oh, you know, and all of those sorts of things. But you just got to be prepared to, it is what it is, you know. And we're so happy because we, we've, we it ticks all those other boxes. Every time we do that self-sabotage thing, we go back and go, ah, but it's this, like as if we're ever going to find this again. And that's a really lovely feeling. So, mm. yeah. It's, it, it is interesting because we, you know, you do have that post, that post-purchase dissonance. So I remember learning at university and, you know, you, you guys are classics because, of course, at the beginning you're a, bear, you're a bear anyway. You're going, it's negative, negative, negative. It's all overpriced. Everyone's an idiot buying one. Like, you know, one yeah. day it's all going to fall off a cliff. It's going to be a nightmare. Um and then, and then you've got them, you know, made the decision. And look, I tell you what, every property I've bought, I've, I've freaked out immediately afterwards too. And, and you know, so if I can do it, God, you can do it, you know, like in, in yeah. everything that I, all of my research and, and, and experience. Have you, Megan, felt that? No. No. haven't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. But I tell you oh, what, there's been- not a property that I've bought that I have, have second-guessed over, but I think that's because... Um, my my head takes over very quickly um, <laughs> in the process, and and it's it's a very logical process that I go through. I pretty much remove the emotions. I've I've actually not. I get bought- nervous going into it. Oh yeah, good, not, not good to hear. <laughs> I've not bought property that I've second guessed myself out of before. I sh- I should have bought it. So you know I, I've mm. made all the mistakes that that everybody makes with all the information. So I'm very. That's why I'm extra proud for you guys because you know <laughs> you've come at it from that 
from that position and you have done all that work. And I think, too, what you said there, Rhiannon, is so important that, you know, yes, you got pre-approval on Friday, mon- say Monday you bought the property. Um, so you got four days, not even really, because it wouldn't have been, you know, <laughs> 24, time, 24 hours time four. Um, getting ready before you're ready, yeah. you know, value in that is massive, especially in a rising market. You know, and, and that's not the time to start. Now you've got the money burning a hole in your pocket is not the time to start learning all the fundamentals that you learned. So, and that's why, you know, your journey is, is such a good journey um, because I didn't even know that there was that four day. It was only four days. I didn't even know that until yeah. you just told us then. So that's really, really good. Yeah, yeah we yeah. really did our, our research and, um, and, yeah, it's that whole planning ahead thing. I mean, if you can arm yourself with that knowledge early, and then when you're ready, because that's, that's the other thing, we didn't actually go for pre-approval until we were ready to go. Mm. Um, so that's the other thing. Like I, I reckon you're better off, you know, this is my personal view. Others may disagree, but I think you're better off arming yourself with all that knowledge first have, and then making sure you've obviously got the funds available to, to execute it. And then once you're ready to go, that's when you go and, 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 and do it, you know. Yeah. It's easier to walk away from properties, like when you don't have pre-approval, there's nothing on your opportunity list. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that kind of idea of walking Mm. away from something. They're not in your reach. So you are just pricing property. So it's not emotional. It's kind of you're getting in there, doing it. It's a process. And so Mm. we didn't feel like anything, like, got away during that time because we weren't ready until we had pre-approval. So that was a good feeling as well. Mm. So step by step, that that, that whole idea of putting, doing things in the right order mm. and, and in, the, in the right process actually meant that once the property was there, you, you knew that you had done all the right things leading up to it. You knew that you, you, you were pricing it correctly. You knew what your compromises were and you were comfortable with them. Had that property come up much earlier in your search and, and at the wrong time, then the, that's when the mistakes would be made. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Or would have been the one that got away. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, which is that's a horrible one too. It's too early, but you know, it's only too early if you haven't actually, you know, done the done the groundwork. So look, we are such proud mama bears of you guys. <laughs> it's been an utter delight I being say, I was of- in total shock when we got your email. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yay, them, them. No, Mike hasn't purchased, surely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it's funny. I, I remember, Megan, What one of the things that got me over the line, I think, was we were having a uh, discussion and I was ranting and raving during one of our mentoring sessions and I think you very bluntly said, well, you know, it's a choice. You can either choose to get in or you can choose not to. And I thought, yeah, that's fair enough. That's absolutely dead right. <laughs> it is what and, it is. <laughs> and you've got to make a choice. Um, and for us and our lifestyle, the fact we got kids, we had to, we have to do it. And, and that's the thing, you know, it's, you can't time the market. It is what mm. it is, you know. Exactly. Great quote to end on. It is a great quote to end on. We have been so privileged being part of your journey and, um, you know, and for you listeners who've recently joined us, these guys were part of our original beta group. So the first ever home buyer academy group of students uh so you know that's that and that's been a wonderful journey we learned so much through you guys as well and that's that you know the the course is constantly under evolution uh as a result of the feedback that we get as well and so we're just so delighted to be part of it and thank you so much for coming back and sharing your story with us and all the listeners oh, no thank you it's really fantastic and we couldn't have done it without you 
Look, all all, uh, all BS aside, I think, you know, the, the tips and tricks that we learned from that course um, is ultimately what got us over the line. So, you know, thanks for putting it together and, and thanks for being available and talking us through it. It was, um, it was really, really helpful. So thank you. Absolute pleasure. Very proud. In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.